This podcast is being brought to you by our friends at Redmont Vodka. You can find them on the web at www.redmontdistilling.com. Today, I have Mr. Daniel Deriso. He is the former deputy campaign manager for Randall Woodfin, national advance alum for Bernie Sanders, and just an all-around good guy. Um, Daniel, tell me a joke. Just any joke. Yeah, just any joke. Um, Lashonda Scales mayoral campaign. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought he was gonna. All righty then. We coming in with the gloves off. I see. Let's start there, man. Like, wow. I know, right? What What would you say is the animus? You know what I'm saying? Instead of just a straight up. All right, we, you know, one one group came out victorious, the other one didn't, and, you know, it's just happily ever after. What's the animus between? Between Scales and everybody, particularly you. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, you know, it's interesting. Um, with me, I think it's there was this one city council meeting in 2018 uh-huh. i'm pretty sure it was 2018 yeah um where she got upset with the mayor for something or another and claimed that she was the sole reason that he won in 2017 that her endorsement like carried the race yeah and i felt like it really discredited all of the work that our staff like did for 60 to 80 hours a week every single day yeah and you know, day in and day out, um, for months, uh, and it was just like I. She took full credit for that win that we worked our asses off for. Yeah. Um. So I talked to her about it, and I kind of confronted her pretty hard about it, and uh, she has not liked me ever since. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's where it is. Look here. Um. What are you working on now? So I'm working on a couple different projects. Um, he nursing a beer is what he's yeah, doing. Take the beer off. <laughs> Get the beer Get off the, the beer table, off bro. The table, oh. <laughs> Got you. Uh huh. Um, so after the 2020 campaign, I, me, my girlfriend, and my dog, we went on a two month road trip all that across the so United awesome. States. Yeah. Um, we went, you know, all through Texas. We went to Arizona, um, Oregon, Montana, Colorado. Um, Utah, California, and Washington, all these states. Um, And it was a really nice experience and a good break to have after working so hard and for so long. Um, And then got back and we started work, or I started working on a couple different campaigns. Now they've all launched. So I'm working for Frank Scott for mayor of Little Rock. Right. Chris Hollins, who just announced uh, a mayoral run for Houston, Texas. I saw that. I was going to ask you about that. Um, and a couple local campaigns um, here in Birmingham, like Teresia Huffman's campaign for state legislature. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm I'm bouncing around for a reason, right? Um, you and um, Ike Pickett. I got to get Ike Pickett on here too. Mm. The two of you are the only like regular people I know that have blue check marks on your <laughs> Twitter. How did, how did that happen? It's a lot of luck, honestly. <laughs> I I mean, so having worked in digital uh, on a couple different campaigns, I mean, I do campaign management, I do communications. I am kind of like a Swiss army knife in campaigns a lot of the time. And what Which that eventually led me to, to doing more digital work was having connections at Facebook and at Twitter and at Instagram um, and at Instagram that, you know, I could basically liaison with if I had an issue with a candidate's page. If someone was making an imposter account, I could talk to a human being and get it taken down pretty quickly. Oh, And okay. those relationships ended up helping me get verified on yeah. Facebook. I, like, put in a special request for a customer support portal th- that I needed for uh, when I was working at City Hall. Yeah. And it just came, the blue check mark came from that. Um, and then when I was verifying <laughs> candidates last year um, yeah. on Twitter... All of a sudden, I woke up and there's a blue check mark. Man, it, I say that you know that that's the technical way, but I say that because, um, and I was asking you about what you're working on and all that kind of stuff because drum roll, Daniel is one of the most influential people in politics in this country that you have never heard of in your life that you have never seen before. He's probably walked right past you and you had absolutely no idea who he was. How did you get hooked up with Bernie Sanders, man? Wow. Yeah. So I majored in political science in college and I never really thought about working on political campaigns as a career path. Mm -hmm. I always thought I'd go into international relations. I actually minored in French so that I could get a job at the State Department or the UN because it's a diplomatic language. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2015, um, it was April 2015, Bernie Sanders didn't ask me anything post on Reddit. And, you know, at that point, I was a pretty big Hillary Clinton supporter. I thought that she would obviously have the nomination in 2016. And then all of a sudden, I saw this guy who echoed a lot of political sentiment that I hadn't seen echoed by any politicians mm-hmm. before you know hard support for universal health care um, support for free college um, things like that that really stood out to me as being like major steps forward for our country so I, I read that asked me anything and I thought man this guy should run for president well exactly like one month later on May 30th 2016 or 2015 Bernie announced his campaign I was going abroad for the summer I spent the whole summer in France, and that whole summer, basically his campaign excited me so much. He was doing these rallies with like 25,000 people in Portland and 30,000 people in Seattle Mm -hmm. that I started online organizing. Mm -hmm. So I made a campus group, Montevallo Students for Bernie. I started organizing, you know, people on campus. I got like, you know, 500, 600 members in that group. You know, it's a 2,500, 3,500 person campus, Mm -hmm. um, 2,500 undergrads. So it's a pretty pretty big chunk of people right. that I was organizing. Um, and then once I got back 
after the summer, I started organizing in-person events. Like we would chalk campus and just put like, you know, vote for Bernie on the sidewalk with like chalk. And then I would organize debate watch parties. So everyone would come to the coffee shop in town called Eclipse. And we had the most attended debate watch party in the whole state. Um, and I posted that on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It caught the attention of the national campaign. I was able to connect with the folks that were coming to Alabama to set up the campaign here. And the first thing they did was offer me an internship. And then the second thing they did was a week and a half later, offer me a full-time position. And then the rest was history. The rest was history. And then you, you did two campaigns with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I worked here in Birmingham first for Bernie. Um, and then, uh, went up to Kentucky, worked the Kentucky primary. It was a close race. We lost by 1200 votes. It was a nail biter. Yeah. One of the closest races I've ever worked. Um, and then after that, I went to go work on a congressional campaign in Florida. And then that was a losing primary race. And then after that, went to Illinois and helped elect Senator Tammy Duckworth, now Senator Tammy Duckworth, mm-hmm. and um, win Hillary Clinton that state. After that, Mayor Woodfin, mm-hmm. uh, I came home, was almost about to move to Tampa for a union job, okay. um, working as a union organizer. And then I saw an AO.com article uh, that said that a Birmingham mayoral race was coming up. Mm-hmm. And there were two candidates, William Bell and Randall Woodfin. So I sent Randall Woodfin an email, and he responded to me the next day asking for a meeting. <laughs> and the rest is history. And the rest is history. Man, um, I, I talk to a lot of people, um, and... You're somebody I talk to on an absolute regular basis that, like, nobody would ever have any idea. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How, I know. like, we are like super geeky, close buddy friends. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And, um, you know, first, well, let me ask you this What did you think when you first met me? What were your first uh, your thoughts? Oh, what did I think? <laughs> Um, I think <laughs> I think my first thought was, who the hell is this guy sitting in this chair in our campaign office? Like, <laughs> he's the only person in here. Like, it's supposed to be locked, I'm pretty sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I thought I thought you were a really, really nice guy. For one, when we first met, you were just like, it's that, like, <laughs> contagious smile you have. <laughs> like, that? immediately trusting. So, yeah. Yeah, I, it was awesome to meet you. I think that was, it must have been... Mid-2017 when we first met. Yeah. And um, I think I told you that um, I, I always wanted to be an asset. I always want to be the oldest person in the room. I always want to be an advocate for, for younger uh, people. How have I done in that commitment? I mean, I think you do a great job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've backed me up so many times that I've had opinions yeah. Um, yeah. for, like, different, you know, political crises or, or, you know, different events that are happening. Um, I mean, just run of the mill stuff. Well, it's time for you to pay back. All right. Okay. Absolutely. It's like, um, you are getting long in the tooth, sir. And so, you know, it's like, you're, you're, I won't say you're a grandpa in, in politics yet, but you're an uncle. It's time for you to take some people under your wing and 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 pave the way 
and all that good, good I, I turned stuff. 30 this year, so, you know, it's it's, it's about time. <laughs> it's about that time. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I made a decision based off of you and Lindsay, as a matter of fact. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And Randall. Mm-hmm. Um, campaigning in Birmingham, you know, I'm from that old generation of campaigning in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And, like, you guys have completely changed the game. It's right? really different. It's really different. And so I said, okay, I'm going to have to go back to school one way or the other. Either I, go, I got to go back and learn what they're doing or I'm going to go back and learn, you know, um, or go back to school and do something I've always wanted to, to do, which was go to law school. Mm-hmm. So... Um, what do you have to say to the dinosaurs like me? What do you what what is different? What should young people or local people or whatever we talk about this all the time. We laugh about how people are just getting it completely wrong. They number one we won't even talk about them not knocking doors. But what is the difference between how things had been done and the direction politics is going now? And those people who want to run for office or work on campaigns need to take some notes. Yeah, that's such an interesting question. I think there's, I mean, there's so many things that are changing. The way that people get information is changing. Um, the way people digest the information is changing. Um, and the way you can communicate with people uh, is something that has changed dramatically just mm-hmm. in a very short period of time. I mean, Facebook, I think, went public, uh, like just outside of of just the college space in like 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that social media really became a thing in political discourse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, you know, some of the dynamics that are changing. But I think that, you know, one thing that doesn't work anymore and one thing that worked for a very, very long time is that you could just go to different groups within your city. Uh, let's say pastors at churches. <laughs> Shoot me. Um, this is, you know, I mean, this is particularly relevant because yes. there's, there was yes. a lot of pastors exactly. in the mayoral race here, um, a lot of prominent pastors that backed William Bell. Mm-hmm. And it did absolutely nothing for him. Mm-hmm. That... In, in a traditional system, the system that everyone or that the old folks, the old guard here believes in still tries to campaign like that should have won that race. Right. 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 Like right. that, you know, that kind of support from your local, you know, pastoral leadership mm-hmm. um, should and move the people. And it should move. The, yeah, it should move yeah. their their flock. Right. 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 Of, of, of people. But it didn't. Um, so. You know, I mean, I think that the main difference here is that you can target people at their doors. You can have conversations with them. They're meaningful. Mm-hmm. And that it will always outweigh a flyer left on someone's car without a word. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or a sample ballot passed out at a polling place. Right. Um, you can target people online. Mm-hmm. Uh, in ways that are way less expensive than blanketing TV media mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with 
you know, ads. So that's where a lot of campaign dollars go, mm-hmm. especially like with older consultants, the old guard, especially consultants. I think roughly 10% of any TV budget on a campaign goes to the consultant. Mm-hmm. So that consultant has a, you know, big, I'm looking for the word here, uh, incentive right. to push that TV budget as high as possible. Right. Lower the digital budget, lower the field budget, do as much TV as possible because they get a bigger check. Right. But in reality, the most effective way at a campaign in 2022 is that you spend more money on digital than you do on TV. And you go and you knock as many doors as possible and you talk to as many voters as possible face to face with either an organizer, your candidate, or very, very engaged volunteers, people who are excited about your campaign. And right. you don't, and also like the way you fund campaigns is drastically different than it was uh, just 15 years ago. You can yeah. donate online, everyone uses ActBlue on, in democratic politics. If you donated to Hillary Clinton, if you donated to uh, Bernie Sanders, if you donated to Elizabeth Warren, any major Democratic Party candidate for president in the past, you know, eight years used ActBlue. And every person that has used ActBlue has an Express account. And everyone that then gets ActBlue and uses it for their campaign down the line, those people can then very quickly one-click donate. It's like a, a, a that that is a major thing gotcha. um, for uh, for people. So. And it, so you can raise a lot of like very small dollar contributions where in the old times you had to just like. Hey, man, th- that's what I did. Let's not call it the old times. <laughs> let's, I mean, let's say a few years things ago. Things changed fast. <laughs> Look here. We're going to take a minute to pay some bills. And when we get back, we're going to play some this or that. And then we're going to finish this poli sci 101 class. <laughs> Searching for some delicious barbecue and soul food. Get some at Birmingham's Best at Rib It Up, located at 831st Avenue North. Call and order today at 205-328-7427. That's 205-328-7427. While we were gone, I was talking about the fact that um, Daniel was like, I, I don't even know how campaigns were run back when you guys were doing it. And I was saying that there was no rush to the door. You know, there was no there was very little um, contact as far as this is what my platform is. No, it was all GOTV, dude. You know what I'm saying? The information was disseminated, like you said, from the churches, from the neighborhood association presidents. And so anyone who could um, galvanize all of that support, the PACs, the whole nine yards. And I can't wait to get um Dr. Arrington on here to talk about how they actually put together the Jefferson County Coalition. But as I was saying, there were there weren't three, four, five people competing for the vote. It was everybody getting behind the black candidate or everybody getting behind the anti-establishment candidate. And how are we going to get people out to vote? You know right. what I'm saying? And then as as more people came along and got involved, because like funny, it was funny. You said when I did, when I worked on my first congressional campaign in Florida in 98, you were six. Mm-hmm. I was maybe Wait. five, actually, because um, <laughs> I would have turned six after Election Day. Probably the first campaign I worked on, I was six or seven. Wow. 
And I was knocking on doors for Dr. Richard Harrington for when he was running for mayor. Wow. I knocked on doors and uh, hung door hangers for Jeff Germany. I mean, I was a little kid, and it was all about getting someone elected. Now, of course, I didn't know the depth at that time. I was just hanging door knockers, and my dad was giving me some cash. But go on with what you were saying as far as, you know, I was just setting that up. For, for, for No, that just I, it makes me think about it. I hope that some of the kids that came out with their parents on the Woodfin campaign are the next future leaders. of Yeah. Because you know, they were knocking doors, too. And, um, they, and they are. They will be. But, um, yeah, no, I think what I was saying was that it's over the – I guess it was, it, back then it was harder for an insurgent candidate to pop, to pop in absolutely. and then pop off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think – my first example, my first like real election that I cared about was Barack Obama's race in 2008. Mm-hmm. And he was an insurgent candidate who, you know, basically unseated Hillary Clinton from the nomination that was supposed to be hers. Right. Um, with this message, like this populist message of hope and change and like the, you know, changing the fabric of America, like really changing it because like we are going to elect a black man mm-hmm. for the first time. Um, and I think that really had an impact on me, even though now, you know, a lot of people can view Barack Obama as more establishment. Mm-hmm, he was president mm-hmm, for eight years. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. like is a super inspiring person to me. And is like the reason I got interested in politics. He's the reason that my parents are conservative. Um, and he's the, he's the thing that broke me out of, right. of, of just listening to them. Yeah. I listened to his DNC speech in 2008 and it blew my mind. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I'm actually with, I'm actually with this team, not <laughs> right. that team. Yeah, right. Okay. This never felt right. That does. Right. Gotcha. Exactly. Gotcha. And, you know, I mean, I was, I was 15 at the time. So yeah. I was such a kid. I didn't really care anything about it. But that's the thing that eventually led me to major in political science, eventually has led me to, like, work on campaigns is Barack Obama's campaign in 2008. And that kind of insurgent race has inspired me to like help other candidates across like the country here and here locally yeah. that are insurgents that are taking on, you know, old time incumbents or people that are just like handed the reins every single time right. Right. because those people need to get challenged. Well, and, here yeah. again, that's, that's why I support you. That's why I support you guys because, you know, I talk about it all the time with my peers, you know, we waited around for the leadership to tap us and it was supposed to be our turn and they got drunk with power and never wanted to turn it over. Well, you know, it's incumbent upon us not to be those same people and to work hard for you guys and pave a way. But at the same time, uh, come on with the sense of entitlement. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Or or the sense of I'm so smart and I'm so rare, raring and ready to go because we <laughs> waited so long for our turn. And so I I actually love seeing that that battle. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I love seeing that push and pull and, and to to the victor goes to the spoils. I got a couple of questions for you. What is your favorite charity? Ooh, my favorite charity. Mm-hmm. Randall's going to get you for not saying Birmingham Promise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
the Birmingham Promise is a truly amazing. Um, come on, come on, come but it, on. But it, but you know, I just I don't know. I think it's more of a. I, I see. I see it. I see it in my head as more of a city initiative rather than a, okay. a charity. Um, and I think I think that everyone should go to college tuition free. So like, it should just it should just exist, and it should be a thing at the federal level too. Gotcha. Um, I forget who I'm talking to. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm. Right now, I think that one of the best local charities is Birmingham AIDS Outreach. Okay, um, so Birmingham AIDS Outreach. Yeah. You have to make a donation to the Birmingham AIDS Outreach if you don't answer one of these questions. Okay. All right. Happily. I'll do it even if I do. Sounds good to me. Ready? Railroad Park or Botanical Gardens? Botanical Gardens. Protective Stadium or Legacy Arena? Protective Stadium. Owls or Purple Onion? Owls. Sloth's Furnace or Vulcan? Sloth. Boo. Alabama Theater versus Lyric, Lyric Theater? Alabama Theater. Okay. Birmingham Zoo or McWayne Science Center? McWayne. Thank you, All Jesus. right. <laughs> Biggie or Tupac? Ooh. Uh, Biggie. My man, Lakeview or downtown? Downtown. Prince, I actually hate Lakeview. <laughs> Prince or Michael Jackson? Ooh. Prince. Dread River Distillery or Good People Brewery? Good People. I've never been to Dread River. I need okay. to go. It, it like opened up when I was a when I was a like away. Okay. Um, so I never had a chance. Alabama or Auburn? Auburn. It's a family thing. It's a family thing. And um, Civil Rights Museum or the Negro League Museum? The Civil Rights Museum. Good job. Good job. So, um, back to the family thing with Auburn, expound. Yeah, my uh, my dad pitched for Auburn um, in the early '80s, and um, actually like deferred draft to the Braves to go to college. So, um, he's big, you know, big Auburn fan. Yeah. And then my uncle uh, played at the same time as other mayoral candidate Chris Woods um and okay. bo jackson so okay. um they're okay. actually all really good friends um and my my grandfather had 50 yard line tickets on like the front front row of the upper deck at jordan hare yeah um like all when i was a kid so i would go to like every single game when i was a kid and it was such a great experience because it was like the perfect seats that yeah. are along the 50 yard line you see everything right there at the front of the like front of the balcony um so, yeah, Auburn, for well, sure. We're going to give you a pass on that one, man. <laughs> you have such warm memories. Hey, I cheer for Alabama when they get to the national championship. And stuff. Did you ever Did you ever find those Bitcoin? God, no. You didn't? No, but I – Tell so, them the story about the Bitcoin. So I have <laughs> The like, whole story. So the whole story is that I had, I had like I – mean, I had a, a couple – I think a couple hundred Bitcoin at one point. And then in 2013, 
Bitcoin went up to $265 and I thought, this is the end. There's no way. This is like the craziest thing in the world. <laughs> I'm going to sell this. I'm going to pay for a tuition uh, or pay for a semester of tuition. Right. Um, so I did get, you know, 13,000 bucks and paid for my rent and my books and my semester's tuition and everything like that. You know, and now Bitcoin is $60,000. I think I think it's like 40 now. Okay. It makes me feel a little bit better. But I would be, definitely be a multimillionaire if I hadn't sold all that Bitcoin. For, but, uh, but about the three you said. Yeah. So the I have a couple Bitcoin that were on an HTC Thunderbolt phone that I used because the coffee shop in Montevallo took Bitcoin. I That phone now... I it could be in like some random box at my parents' house. Could be in a landfill somewhere. <laughs> it has, it has like, it has at least. Oh, I thought three... you said you almost were certain it was at your parents' house. You I, were gonna go through the garage. Or I have tried. But they also have a storage <laughs> unit that I have yet to go through. But there's three to ten Bitcoin on there. From the last I can check on my like, you can check the like public blockchain. Yeah. So you know it could be almost a million dollars or half a million at least right now um oh, wow. <laughs> now what is your girlfriend's name i'm sorry uh my girlfriend's name is Allie. Allie, i i think you guys are just the cutest thing i loved the pictures when you guys were traveling all over the country and whatnot how did y'all meet so um we met in a bar in des moines iowa <laughs> on my very first trip for the bernie sanders campaign 2020 and after that, I did not see her again for 10 months. But I had an immediate crush on her. Oh, wow. Uh, I had a huge crush on her. Um, and she got uh, ba- she got basically put on state staff for uh, South Carolina. And then I never got slated for South Carolina because you don't slate, like, kind of nerdy blonde dude for <laughs> In blonde South white dude for South Carolina. <laughs> it's like um, – yeah, this just wasn't the vibe. And um, so she was on state staff for South Carolina. I didn't see her again until February of 2020. We met in April of 20, or 2019. But in December of 2019, I told one of our gossipy coworkers that I had a crush on Allie. And she, of course, told Allie. So Allie knew that I had a crush on her when we got slated together in Durham, North Carolina in early February 2020. And she made the first move. All right. Go Allie. (laughs) (laughs) And how's the dog? She is great. Yeah, Yeah, I still have not called that training place, but I still have it saved on my phone. Uh, Highly recommend. Offish Canine. My dog, we rescued her when she was four years old. She's a German Shepherd. And she was aggressive and, like, barked all the time and, like, almost made me go insane because of how much she barked at, like, random noises in the hallway. But then we took her to Off Leash Canine, and um, yeah, within the very first day, she stopped barking in the house. So that paid for itself almost immediately. And then over the next eight weeks, we like learned a whole lot. Now she's like the best dog ever. Yeah, we can, like, the way she heals yeah. and all of that is amazing. They should definitely like pay you for that sponsorship. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, man, um, I want to thank you for coming. I got to ask you this. Um. Aside from you, of course, who's the smartest person on our on our um, text chain? Me, of course. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, but Jared, Jared Lodeholt, <laughs> he really is. I mean, all joking aside, that is very true. But um, 
I got to have you come back a little closer to the elections and all that kind of stuff. I want um, to handicap some stuff and, and we talk our smack like we do. We got to have um, uh, Mark Kelly on here. When we oh, do next please. <laughs> he would be great. He's my neighbor. I can go knock on this door for you. Tell him, tell him I'm coming for him. <laughs> all right. I want to thank Daniel, one of the most interesting men in America for joining the podcast. I want to thank you for listening. And as always, a huge shout out to UrbanHam.com and Creed 63. God bless. This podcast has been brought to you by Jefferson County Sheriff's Office.